Hi, this is Dan Cassetta. Welcome to Flashback Friday on Changing Lives, Selling Knives. This podcast was created to share inspiring stories from people who are positively impacting the world using lessons and skills they first learned from selling Cutco knives with Vector Marketing Corporation. Episodes feature some of Cutco's most prominent alumni and top achieving current leaders. Flashback Friday is your chance to hear a short piece of one of my favorite past episodes. We'll hand select the best nuggets to share with you in this short form. The lessons of the Cutco Vector experience are numerous, are compelling, and are real world concepts for business and life. Thanks for pressing play. Let's get on with today's flashback. Today, we are flashing back to episode number 163 with Cutco sales titan, Chelsea Rodriguez. Chelsea is one of the top sales performers in the Cutco Vector Marketing organization, with over 5.8 million in career sales, placing her number 15 all-time in company history. She is in her 15th year with the company, having started while going to college at the University of Alabama. Roll Tide. This conversation was recorded in late 2020 when Chelsea stepped up to lead at the highest level for Cutco reps nationally. She shares the mindset that helped her overcome the challenges of that pandemic year. That same mindset has helped Chelsea to continue to grow in the past two years. And in 2022, she became just the ninth person in company history to exceed $1 million in sales in a single year. Chelsea Rodriguez leads and inspires legions of others to show up and become the best version of themselves. For her full story, you can revisit episode number 163. What do you feel like were some of the lessons from your your early days with the company? A lot of it started as work hard and have fun. Mm -hmm. And I had never had a job, Dan, that truly rewarded me for what I was worth. Vector and selling Cutco was the first opportunity I'd had in my life where I was, I felt respected for what I brought to the table. And I was also paid more Mm -hmm. um, because I worked hard. So that would been, that would have been probably one of the first lessons I learned with Cutco. And then the have fun part Um, I'd never had a job that was just so much fun that I created so many friendships in that even when you went home at night, you still want to talk about Cutco with your colleagues and you just love what you do so much that there's joy in it. I would say the biggest lesson, not just the work hard and have fun is, is, is Vector and and selling Cutco teaches people ownership. Mm -hmm. You know, you, you've, reap what you sow and it teaches skills for life that you don't get from just going to college or working at the Dairy Queen or wherever. And I'm not saying any job is bad. I think it's great for people to work hard at whatever they do. So I don't want that to be misconstrued. I just, what I think is important to note is that when you're in a position like we're in, it doesn't matter if you're selling Cutco or selling something else. When you focus on that growth it allows you to have full ownership of the good, the bad, and the ugly, if that makes sense. Indeed, it sure does. Yeah. It sure does. And, and and I think that people learn that through a, a job like working in Vector in large part because we're paid based on our results. It's a commission-based pay program. You ultimately have to take ownership of your own work ethic, of your own skill level, 
if you want to become great at this job. Over the years, as I've mentioned, you became one of the top reps in the company. I mean, just kind of looking at your your annual statistics here, right? You sold 225,000 in 2014, 310,000 in 2015, then 423, 424, 585, and then 722,000 in 2019. According to John Kane and according to Loretta DiCiano, no one in the company has shown up stronger or better or faster than you did among our CSP ranks. You're in a very small group, handful, uh, that have really, really stepped up in 2020. What was your mindset as this year began unfolding and the, the pandemic came our way? I never expected 2020 to happen and go the way that it did from being a pandemic to a lot of the things that we've lost and also to my success that I've had. Um, the success I've had this year, although success is something that I always crave and I want and I go after, I'm actually not experiencing the year that I set forth to experience. I sat down with all of my managers, uh, my leaders uh, around my business this year, and I told them, I said, listen, 722 grand last year is my best year ever. To get those results, I worked really, really hard. And I'm not sure that 2020, that's aligning for me. Mm -hmm. I want to work hard. I'm not going to like necessarily just not show up. I'm going to continue to show up. But right now I have different priorities in 2020, like my my family and my marriage and some other trips that I wanted to take that I need to go and get done while I'm young and I, before, before I start having children. And there's right. some other things I want to do that don't involve selling Cutco. This year, before I even knew that um, the pandemic was going to be what it was going to be and we were going to have events canceled left and right, I was very intentional. I'm going to travel less. I'm going to work less, but I'm going to find a way to profit more. Mm -hmm. And, and that was it. It was, this is about supporting my family and supporting my lifestyle, not just selling another knife to sell another knife. Right. And I think when people owning businesses get to that point where they really put their goals into a reality check of why am I doing this? What's my mission? What's, how is this helping and serving others, not just myself? And so that was the goal as of January 1, 2020. And then March 1, 2020. 20 happened. I was so straightforward. I'm going to travel less, this, that, and the other. And my mom said something to me. She says, honey, sometimes God wants you to be still. And when you don't know how to be still, he'll still you. Mm. <laughs> and I'm a go, go, go person. Those that know me, I am, you know, fly by the seat of my pants. Most days I'm like the duck on top of water. I am go, go, go. And I somehow find a way to get it all done. It's not always pretty, but I get it done. I get the job done and I usually do it really well. But around March, you know, my mom gave me that advice. And she says, sometimes it's important for us just to realize it's that being still is not so bad. And when the pandemic hit, that's really hard for a top performing salesperson to say, what do you mean I can't go to work? What do you mean I can't go sell? What do you mean I can't high five and handshake my customers? That was what I missed the most was mm -hmm. the handshakes and the high fives. And so for March, April, May, I would say more than 90% of the events that I sell at, that I lead generate at, that I produce income at, were completely gone. Right. And uh, 
some people, they look and they go, well, how do you create when there's nothing to create at? And so for me, it became a moment in time for me to be still and get serious about what really mattered. I was able to dive deep into my relationships, travel a little bit with the time off. But while I was doing all of that and prioritizing those relationships and that quality time with family and friends, my hours still happened. I still showed up to work every day at my kitchen table with a cup of coffee, sometimes multiple. I just continued to show up and I was able to clean so many things up in my database, Dan. I was able to have more impactful conversations with customers that I had not talked to in years just by calling and updating their email or their cell phone number that was out of date and asking them how they were doing. And that level of connection has made me so much more deeply even connected to my customers this year so that when events came back a little bit in June, July, August, people were actually coming back out a little bit. The reins were loosening on events and uh, people showed up differently. Hmm. You know, they showed up to events differently. They showed up to me differently. And I think a part of that was because of the deeper connection that was made in the months where we had to do things differently. Tell us about the uh, philosophy you have around customer service. Service looks a lot of different ways to a lot of different people. We serve by helping them get more cutco. We serve by sharpening a knife that has dulled on them, right? But I think it goes deeper than that. And I'd like to answer your question with just a simple story that embodies how I've tried to treat customers and serving them. Great. Well, I had this gold client, if you will, um, someone that I consider gold. She's amazing. She buys lots of knives from me. We have a wonderful relationship. And she submitted uh, an order. I missed it. Didn't see the email. And days went by. Hey, where are my knives? Oh my goodness, we missed this. I send it over to my assistant. And it doesn't matter what the mistake was, but the assistant made a mistake. Then we send it over to the engraver and the engraver made a mistake. Then we ship it and UPS sends it to the wrong address. Mm. So this woman has experienced four, not just three, two or three, four mistakes just to get a simple reorder of gifts. And all it really came down to, Dan, when you talk about customer service, is customers don't want to hear excuses. They don't want to hear an explanation of what happened or what went wrong. And I picked up the phone and I called the customer and I humbled myself and I had a hard conversation and I just said, I'm sorry. I said, I'm not calling you to give you an excuse. I'm not calling you to give you an explanation. All you need to know is that multiple balls were dropped. And I know that I am the face that you see between you and a finished product. And we failed you. And we recognize that and we own it. And mm. there's a phrase that I, I teach anyone, colleagues that I work with, when mistakes happen and balls get dropped, when it comes to customer service, the thing you have to explain to customers and embody, it's not just saying this to a customer, it's actually living it. You can't promise a customer in business that things will go 100% right all the time. But if given the chance, you will make it right 100% of the time. Mm -hmm. So if a ball is ever dropped in my, my business, and when it comes to customer service, that's what it's about to me. It's like, if you mess up, take full ownership of it. That, that's the Marine in me. 
from my dad, you know, own it, fully own that it was your fault and apologize. Don't make excuses. What people really want to see when it comes to service is that if you do have a mistake, you're willing to make it right and you're willing to pivot and move forward better. Mm -hmm. So for me, I do a lot of service events. Um, I invite customers to those service events. And, you know, sometimes it takes way too long for their knives to get sharpened to get back to them. Treating every single customer when it comes to service, like they're the best one. They're your favorite one. And we all know that in business, there's lots of customers. They're not the only one, but still treating them that way, it can go miles. So that's kind of how I do it. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed today's flashback episode of Changing Lives Selling Knives, you can find the full episode and show notes at changinglivespodcast.com. You can also sign up there to receive free resources from me and some of our amazing guests. If you click on the deals link on our podcast page, you'll see some tremendous offers from our podcast sponsors. Please consider rating or reviewing us on your podcast player and hit the subscribe button so future episodes are automatically downloaded directly to your device. This is Dan Cassetta signing off. We'll be back in a few days for our next story about changing lives.